Jennifer Smith, and I am a sex therapist, marriage and family, and mental health therapist. Uh, I currently reside in practice in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, so a sex therapist is really like a big umbrella, like sex therapy. But underneath that umbrella, it, we work with all different types of sex-related issues, gender-related issues, intimacy issues, um, and even communication issues that maybe sometimes are a barrier for people actually being intimate. So yeah, we work with all different types of people. Um, and I think that a lot of people get hung up of, oh, if I'm going to see a sex therapist, then I must be, you know, sex might be broken for me or like it's a barrier for me. But it's like, sometimes you just need that extra, you need a, someone that's non-biased to kind of talk it out with so that you can figure out, all right, what am I doing or what do I want to be doing uh, with my partner or even how to explore something within myself? I just need someone to talk it out with. And that and that's that's okay. So I see all different types of people for a lot of different reasons. But uh, yeah, I'm just glad when people are ready to come to my office and talk about these really intimate things. Well, listen, I think I might need a sex therapist myself. <laughs> I'm probably being dramatic. Uh, I'm, I'm going through um, like uh, I was dating someone and we're no longer dating at this moment in time. Oh. And yeah, but you know, like my, like everything, I just feel like I'm asexual. Like I can't imagine, you know, the next time I'm going to feel sexually attracted to someone or anything like that. And I was telling my cousin, I'm like, girl, I feel asexual right now. Like I just, like, I don't feel, and maybe asexual isn't the right word because I'm still attracted to myself, but right. the idea of pleasure with someone else is almost like, you know, you have to go through this, like, I need to redefine what pleasure is yeah. all over again kind of thing. And I feel like I'm just like, dang, I got to find new dick at some point. <laughs> Right. And I think that's where like the, the, the psychological part, right? Like it just, it's just like, oh, that's so much work and I don't want to think about it. But like, you have to, you know, like really think about yourself, right? Just be taking care of yourself and giving yourself time. You know, anytime you get out of a relationship, you need that reset time, you know, to just like get in sync with who you are separate from this person, which is great. I like that space a lot because one, you, you're different now. You've learned something different about yourself and about what you're looking for in a partner, but we have to take that time to like really absorb it, nurture it, and then move forward. 
So I, I actually like that space a lot. Not that I like breaking up with people, but I like the space that comes from it because I know that I'm about to grow and I'm going to be better than what I was even before that situation. Absolutely. Um, so I guess that this is my first question. What is pleasure to you? Ooh, that's a good question. Pleasure to me is when you can really feel free in any desires. Mm. Yeah. And that could be anything like a pleasure, not just sexually, like in life for me is when you can just feel free and really enjoy it and just like really absorb each moment. That, that's like pleasure to me because I want that in not just my sexual relationships. I want that when I eat something. I want that in, in, an, in an event that I go to. Like I want it to be a pleasurable experience, you know, like I want to feel free. I want to feel good. I want to feel safe. Um, so yeah, that's what pleasure means to me. You know, I had a really good experience recently. I've, I've been so much more like nature focused, um, in the past few months, the past few years, but even more so like more and more, um, I have like, last time we spoke, I was still in the process of like cleaning up the house that I was Mm -hmm. moving into. Now I'm settled or more settled into the house. And we have this big backyard and I have a hammock. And like, for me, sometimes I'm overwhelmed. Like before we did this interview, I was feeling anxious. I was like, you know what, let me just go outside. And I just laid my yoga mat on the ground. I just watched the clouds and listened to a meditation. Then I got into my hammock and just sat there, you know, with the sun, like kind of beaming up. Remember we talked about- Yeah, masturbating in a sunbeam. What, (laughs) man, I've done it now. I didn't masturbate. I just let the sun- shine on my bare vagina and when I tell you I felt it felt so (laughs) great one the sun just has natural just healing energy right right but to allow the sun to just like I don't know I was like it was just smiling at me and caressing my poem <laughs> and I was just like, what is going on? You know, look at nature. nature yes. Yeah. And it wasn't like I touched myself or anything. It just felt good. And then I had one foot hanging off the hammock, just touching the, the grass a little bit. Yes. I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. leave me here. Like this should be my job to just come and bask with my vagina and the sun and one foot on the ground like so the idea of like finding pleasure yeah in anything and everything is so just it's a beautiful feeling like once mm-hmm. you start to be able to to find pleasure in all even the simplest things it's such a beautiful state to be in right um but lately you know I have you sometimes you have to work hard yeah yeah that pleasure what are things that you think stop people from being able to find their pleasure well that's a good question I want to go back to what you said for a second because I think like we don't give enough um acknowledgement to senses Mm -hmm. and how much our senses play a part in our pleasure points um or even like in our arousal uh because senses like feel touch sight smell like all those play a big part and how we get aroused. And I don't think people like pay attention enough to that. So I love that you were able to say like the sun, the feel of it, and then the feel of the grass, like that did it for you. You know what I mean? So um, I, I love that. Um, but what stops me, the question was what stops me from being pleasured? 
I guess what stops you or what do you feel or what have you found to be a reason that other people might be struggling to find pleasure, not just sexual pleasure, but mm-hmm. pleasure in this in general. Two things I would say. The first one is stress. Um, stress can be a great barrier for people to really find pleasure in anything because they're so distracted or overwhelmed by stress. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's for most people. We've been in a pandemic a long time now, and, you know, there's been a lot of loss and, you know, just on top of everyday stressors, right? So I think that's a big reason why people can't find pleasure um, or have a hard time finding pleasure. I think the second reason is people are just not open. There's a lot of different things that could pleasure people, but they're not often open enough to get out of what's what's in their comfort zone. You know, like you got to you have to be willing to add some new things in there to get some variety, try some different things to see what else might pleasure you. So that I think that what you said, it, it, it doesn't feel like you have to work harder at it. You just need to add some variety in there sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's enough to change it up for you. Uh, but I find a lot of people are just not open. They're like, well, this has been working for me for like five years. And I'm like, yeah, but you've changed. Your body's changed. Your right. desire has changed. Like, you gotta, you gotta switch it up. You gotta add some, some new things in there, some new tools, um, to make sure that you can continue to move forward. I absolutely agree. You know, um, I started to think to myself, this was last week. I fasted last week. Mm-hmm. And, um, one thing that came to me was like, there's certain things on your bucket list, LaShondra, that you have not done yet. And it's not always extreme things. Like there's certain things that's going on right now that's frustrating. And I was like, okay, I need to change my mindset from because I lack, I can't do blank. Because I lack blank, I can't do blank, right? And change it to, well, what can I do, right? What's something I've been wanting to do, but have not taken the time to do. So for instance, like I signed up to do some community service in nature. Um, and just signing up for it, I experienced like this excitement. I was like, oh man, yeah, about to go spend two hours at the farm, you know, and granted, I'm going to be like moving furniture, but it's this, it's this idea of being surrounded by something that I enjoy and knowing that I'm still giving back that gives me a certain amount of pleasure. And I haven't done community service in like a year or two. So it's like, yeah, look at me. That feels good to to feel of service, right, to other individuals and finding pleasure in that, Um, especially being that I was in such a stressed state last week, it was like, how can I alleviate this stress? Because sometimes we don't have control, right? Um, And this leads into like the mental aspect of, and the spiritual aspect of our sexuality, right? Mm -hmm. Like we don't have control always of what's going on around us. And the only thing we can control is how we adapt to it and how we adapt to it has such a strong effect on how we feel, how we see ourselves, how we are interacting with other people, which of course can affect um, us sexually or even how we're relating to what we're seeing in the world. Like, you know, sometimes I have to, like, I didn't really be, I wasn't really on social media too much last week. Mm -hmm. Um, And even now I'm very mindful. I'm like, I'm not in a space where I really want to scroll. So I kind of just went to, I go, I go to my favorites and who I scroll through because I know I normally love their content. Um, And it just makes it a lot easier uh, 
to continue to uplift myself from a stressful state, nature and just protection of what's around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to ask you, did you see the, the pleasure, what is it, Principles of Pleasure on Netflix? I have not watched it yet. Okay, okay. So I Let's check it out. It's three parts. I watched two of the three. Okay. And I'm learning some things here. I was like, they should have had Jen on the show. I was, I was like <laughs> waiting for you to pop up. So one, I learned that the G spot is actually a myth. Like it's not an actual thing that's just sitting there. It's, it's like, um, how did they explain it? Maybe you can explain it better for the people. Cause I know I'm about to butcher this whole thing up. How is the G spot a myth? Um, well, I, have, I haven't seen it, so I don't know how they, why, why they say it's a myth, uh, or maybe because it's not like an actual physical part yeah. of the vagina. Like it's not yeah. like a, when you see all the, when you see the, the vagina labeled, the G spot's not on there. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it was talking about like this idea of like, you know, everyone thinks the G spot is supposed to be like right there, but it's like, you know, right at the roof or whatever it is, right. wherever they right. say it is. But it's just like, in actuality, the G-spot can be still slightly different. Like the yeah. idea of the G-spot is like, okay, but the physical aspect of the G-spot does not actually exist. And why it's considered to be a G-spot? Because it's also like technically still underneath the nerve endings of right. like the clitoris or near the... Mm-hmm. So it's like this idea of like... <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I thought everyone, every woman had that spot right at the center. And I find out that that's not true. Which is so interesting because, I mean, we talk about so many other body parts that are different for everybody, right? Like no boobs are the same, right? And so it's like, so why did we think that everybody G-spot was in the same spot? <laughs> like, you know, it's like, and it's like, once somebody starts talking about something and, and they like really have conviction in it, that's what people take and run with. Of like, oh yeah, we all do. And, you know, or maybe you had a partner that, that was able to pleasure you in that same spot. And you're like, yes, this has to be the G spot because he found it or she found it and it was great, you know, but it, it's different for, for everybody. And there's many spots on your body that you can have orgasms. People think you can only have like vaginal uh, orgasms, but there's many different orgasms that you can have. You can have nipple orgasms, you can have oral orgasms, you can have anal orgasms. I mean, there's lots of different, different ones. You can have them without even having sex. So people just like, don't know that because they've only, they only choose to be listening to like this one narrative, you know? You know, one thing they brought up because the, the principles of pleasure is, um, focused on women right? And their idea of pleasure and like what pleasure is for them. And like all the misconceptions of women when it comes to their bodies and when it comes to pleasure. So Mm -hmm. they go through these various interviews of women first asking them, do they even, you know, know how to label their body? Right. You know, um, understanding. And I was asking myself, like, do I know? And I feel like I have a pretty good, like, I know the labia minora and majora. (laughs) And I know that the whole thing that we call the vagina is the vulva and the clitoral hood and the urethra like I was like I feel pretty good about what I do know (laughs) right but it's this idea like they ask like some women have never looked at their vagina no 
And I, I remember having this discussion with some teenagers because um, I started looking at mine, but not until like college, mm-hmm. right? And that was because it was just like, I need to know what it looked like in case something ever, ever looked wrong. I can say, <laughs> hey, that's not, you don't belong there. Right. Why do you think it is that, that so many women, like one woman in particular was just like, ah, I've never looked at it. She was like her 60s, 50s, whatever age range. She's like, I never looked at it. She says, maybe I will one day, but mm. right. Why do you think it is that so many women still have never looked at their vaginas? I think like a, a, a few different things. I, I find that generationally that just wasn't talked about or even like praised to do. You know, like even now, our generation, if we told our mothers that we were looking at our vaginas, they'd be like, girl, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing that? You know, like it, it's it's the generational narrative um, of like it, somebody didn't praise them or even body acceptance. You know what I mean? Like it was, I mean, look at even how far we've come with sex, right? Because women were always taught like your body is there to procreate. <laughs> you know, like you're, that's what your vagina is there for and to pleasure your partner, like your husband. Um, and now we've changed that narrative so much, but, you know, I think like generationally that just wasn't something people pre- like encouraged you to do. So that's one aspect of it. I think another aspect of it is most people, when you talk about vaginas, people are not saying that it's beautiful or that it's pretty, uh, you know, like that's, they, they don't, people don't reference to that. A lot of women think it's ugly. Well, that's what, a lot of women feel like it's ugly. They don't like to look at it because they don't understand why the labia looks like that or maybe how it's changed over age or it's changed after you had babies. Like, so there's not like a whole lot of connection. I, I find a lot women don't, are not very connected to their vaginas, which I think relates to why they're not having orgasms, but that's a different episode. Um, <laughs> that's important though. It is important, but I think like, again, it's just the disconnection from it. People, women just don't think it's not, it, it, they don't think it's pretty or beautiful, but I think it's absolutely beautiful because of how much power it has. You know, like that whole thing, whether you choose to have kids or not, you could have a baby. We could, like that vagina does that. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's so powerful. And I think we just have to learn how to em- embrace it more so that we can look at it and really acknowledge it and for its strength, um, but also just allow others to feel encouraged to look at it. You know, I think th- those kind of, those conversations aren't really had amongst girlfriend groups either. You know, like when you're in college, I think those conversations are more natural to have of like, hey girl, like I've been looking at, I looked at my vagina, like, have you ever done that? Like, I think those conversations are like more normalized in that setting. But like, if you're in high school, women girls feel too shame to talk about it you know and then like as a as an older woman like and like I'd say maybe like between 35 and like 50 like people would go back to not talking about it again because now it's too personal right but it's like so where do you get those where are you going to get that encouragement who taught us shame when it comes to our bodies and our vaginas like I'm trying to like even go back to this idea of like who taught us that the vagina was ugly like I think the penis is beautiful right mm-hmm. um I think it's a beautiful specimen but I think it's beautiful because I'm sexually attracted to it right yeah. I don't think every penis is that <laughs> right but I think it's beautiful because I'm sexually attracted to it at the same time it's like if I take the sexual attraction away I'm like that's a 
that's an odd looking, you know, thing mm-hmm. to have created, especially like, you know, the way it naturally comes, it's foreskin, it goes up, right? right? It's not, but the idea is outside of the, um, the shame of size, you don't really hear men shame about right, no. their penis. The only thing you hear is if it's considered big, small, whatever, right? right. That's a, a, a shame. But the idea of it being beautiful and then that being associated with how they feel about their penis. Because there's some men out there who are like, it's small or not, they 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 <laughs> confident with it. But it's so many women who are just so beautiful, but they carry so much shame in their bodies. Yeah. How do you think that relates to us like being able to achieve pleasure, not just in a sexual sense, but just enjoying ourselves as people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, (laughs) uh, social media right now plays a big part of shame in the body, you know, Uh, all the comparisons, all the different influencers, you know, um, all the Insta models, like that had surgery, surgery. right. And, And so it creates this false narrative of if I don't look like this, then I, then I don't matter, right? Like my body doesn't matter, you know, um, you know, because you look at all those women and they have blue check marks, they're getting paid ads. They may have like, you know, like very famous, um, partners and things like that. So you feel like, well, if my body doesn't look like that, then I'm not going to be able to achieve those things. And so like, it does put a lot of shame in your body, you know, but I also find, cause I've worked with eating disorders, um, with in, in women um, for a long time now. And a lot of the, the shame comes from within your own family, mm-hmm. <laughs> body shaming, you know, a lot of different comments made at family get togethers or, um, you know, I, I, I've dealt with this personally. So it, it really, it, it, and it's funny because I didn't think about where body shame comes from, like until I started working with other people that had the disorder. And I was like, wow, I get body shamed a lot at home, you know, like when I'm with my family, because I used to be in a, in a much smaller size and now, you know, I, my body looks different. And so like when I go home and it's like, oh, like Jen's not as skinny as she used to be, or, oh, you can't wear that anymore because you're not this size, or do you need that extra piece of cake? You know, and I'm like, oh, like now I'm so aware of it. I can redirect it. But a lot of that happens in families all collectively, right? Like you just hear those kind of comments, you know, even like aunties pulling out your pants or your clothes and they're like, oh, like this looks a little tight, you know, like I find like body shaming comes a lot from just within your family or culturally, you know, depending on if you're, you know, like if you're Haitian, you're black, Asian, like a lot, uh, a lot of times in the cultural aspect, size or weight is definitely commented on. I can agree with that. I can definitely agree that a lot of stuff starts at home with family, even being too skinny, right? You know, mm-hmm. oh, you're so skinny. I need to feed you a cheeseburger. And it's just like, dang, I need a cheese. Like I eat, you ain't got to do it like that. You know, right. right? It's like a different shame or like feeling like your butt isn't big enough or your breasts aren't like it's, um, I saw something on social media. I was talking about like how social media is going to attack no matter what, if someone's yeah. super skinny and um, it has a natural body, that becomes a reason to attack. If someone is too fake in their body, that becomes a reason to attack. If someone, you know, seems to have a great body, but they, you find that one moment where you see cellulite 
um, that becomes a reason to attack on all these women's bodies. And it's just like, damn, mm-hmm. like, like the women can't just be, right? Um, or people can't just be themselves. But I was right. trying to think when I was watching the, the principles of pleasure of like, where does the narrative of the vagina being ugly come from? Mm. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I know all vaginas look different, yeah. right? But I don't understand this narrative of the vagina being considered ugly to the point where you can't look at it or if you do see your vagina, you're like, ew. Like, I can't imagine looking at something that's a permanent fixture on my body every single day, right? Right. And being like, ew. You know, and I, you know, I, I talked to my vagina in the mirror this morning. I was like, hey, girl, good morning. I took a mirror. Good morning, beautiful. We're going to have a great day today. I'm sorry. You know, sometimes I apologize to her, you know, for, you know, things that I'm like, oh, we shouldn't have did that, girl. You know, <laughs> like, you know, are we, you know I told I'm sorry. I, I you, I, I should have listened. Like, he's right. not the right person. To, I shouldn't have let him touch you. Or I shouldn't have let him come even so close to think that he could, whatever it might be. Right. right? So it's like this idea of like, I, I'm trying to bond. Yeah. I talk to my body and within itself. Cause I'm like, my body takes care of me. I'm a spirit within this body, but it's like, how do, how can people from your perspective get past the, I, I say the mental block, or at mm-hmm. least it seems like it's a mental block. How can people, and this could be for men and women start to feel oneness with their bodies especially if it's a body that they do associate with because I know we do have people who like you know they decide that they would like to transition but if they like I like being the gender I am or yeah. I'm not transitioned to the gender I want to be how can they start to build that mental oneness with it yeah I think it's important for people to at least find one thing they can appreciate about what it's doing for them You know, a lot of that is something I've had to work with, with clients over the years is like, just find one thing that you like about it, you know, Um, because they can usually find one and then we can build on that, you know, and it might just be what it can do for you, you know, Um, you know, and I go back to like the function of of genitals when I've worked with clients in the past. So I'm like, okay, (laughs) you may not like the way that it looks, right? But let's talk about the function of it. It allows you to go to the bathroom. There are people in this world that have very difficult times going to the bathroom because of injuries or conditions and things like that. You, you have full function of yours, right? Like let's even just like be appreciative of that, you know, um, or if they've had a, a baby, you know, like finding appreciation that it can bring, it brought life into this world. Like that's something I love about it, you know? Um, and even for men, you know, it's something that, you know, the penis is something that's praised a lot. So there's lots of different ways we can talk about how, you know, what it does. Um, but just even, you know, being thankful that it, it does identify them as male and they feel good about that and they like being a man. And, you know, so like taking it back to like, you know, with, with who they are and, and really embracing that. So I really try to help people find at least one thing because we can all find one thing and try not to focus so much on what we don't like because that's going to be there. But we're working on trying to bring some of that over to what we like about it. And if we don't at least get to the place where we like about it, we need to at least learn how to respect it. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. 
you know, um, for me, I think appreciation has grown. One, as I've been able to say, like, oh, my body's healthy. Like, look how my body, like, takes care of me. I'm able-bodied and showing gratitude in that way. I'm showing gratitude, like, by working out or trying to be considerate of what I put inside of my body as far as, well, really anything, you know, food, um, like, having sex with some, like, all those things matter. As I've gotten older, right, and my birthday is next weekend, and I keep thinking and reflecting on, like, this idea of, like, how important the mind is for everything. The mind and the spirit play a huge part, and when I think about sex, um, it's such a huge part. I have an ex that I was dating at one point. I remember um, I would be frustrated or upset with him about something where I could have just argued, but he'll still try to reach over and like touch me or like initiate. I'm just like, I'm not in a sexual mood. I would say right. that I'm not in a sexual mood. And he would say, well, I feel like sex is separate. Like sex has nothing to do with us arguing. And I should be able to have sex when I want to have sex. Like you mm. shouldn't be telling me no. And I was like, who am I dating? <laughs> right, like, right. That feels so entitled to my body whenever they want to. Mm-hmm. But also this idea that he doesn't understand that he has not reached my mental again yet. Right. Like you just said, whatever you just said, we just said, whatever we just said, we're upset. We're still around each other. But my mind, even though I'm physically present, my mind is like shut down right now. Yeah. Yeah. What are like, so when we get into like relationships with other people, what are, are things that you think are super important when it comes to one romancing, right? The each other, but also like important when it comes to sex with other people in general. Yeah, I think it's important to have some uh, some uncomfortable conversations, you know, regarding the topic. Uh, a lot of times people don't talk about like what their love languages are, which I think is a big part of how you actually start engaging with someone. And that usually leads to them being more aroused or just, you know, feeling more desired when you know what their love languages are. So I think like that's a, a big one that people should talk about early on but I think women oftentimes when I've worked with them they don't want to ask a guy what he likes because they really don't they're afraid to know sometimes because they're like if he don't if he likes if that's what he likes I may not want to do it mm-hmm. so I, I but I do encourage people to ask those questions like well what do you like you know like what turns you on what do you like to do sexually do you like to be the only one making initiation do you like mutual initiation like you have to ask those questions and you can have a dialogue about it. You know, it doesn't have to, just because that's what that person says doesn't mean that's what you have to do, mm. but it's, it's just starting the conversation and you need to be able to identify what you like and what you don't like and, and be open to having those conversations. Um, I, I always encourage people to ask where your hard nose, what's, what are things that you definitely don't like, you wouldn't want me to do. Um, because those things are important too, because you don't know what someone else's past, what's happened in their past. Um, you don't know what might be a, a trauma response for them. So it's important, I think, for people to ask, what are your hard no's and not push the limits on that. If that's what they say is a hard no, then you take it right there. Um, and then I think, you, you know, people who feel a little bit more comfortable, you could ask about, do you have any sexual traumas? Um, or if you have one being honest about that from the start with somebody, because you can't assume that they're going to know. 
Uh, you're going you're to have to give them a little bit more of a context of what's happened to you and why you may not want to do something um, or you may not be willing to do something like that at this point. Uh, so I think that is really important information for people to share because people come with a lot of sex history and you may not want to hear it all, but it's important if you really want to engage and be like a good partner, but also like a good lover to that partner. You want to know everything it is that you can do to pleasure them. And if certain things from their past is going to stop that, then you want to be aware of that. I agree. Um, what can you say to people who like may have like trouble putting boundaries up, especially sexual boundaries? Like how can people enforce those things? You have to really be thinking about yourself and putting your needs like as a, making your needs a priority, you, you know, like boundaries are there to keep you safe. And if you can't, up, if you can't reinforce them or that partner is not respecting them, then you're not safe. And so you have to go back and reprioritize like what is, what is this dynamic and, and is it salvageable? Can, if this person's not listening to me about my boundaries, then like, is this the right fit for me? Do I need to be in this relationship or do I need to be in this sexual relationship? You know, but you need to be thinking about your needs and the reason why you're setting those boundaries. And if that person can't respect them, you may not, this might not be the person for you. Mm, that's hard that's hard though because you know sometimes you start to date someone and you've made the decision that this person is your person mm. right like you know sometimes we get into scenarios and it's like I like them so they have to work and it's just like before you like them too much make sure <laughs> you have conversations about your boundaries and that yeah. you observe their actions in regards to your boundaries, likes, dislikes, and vice versa also, because you want to make sure that you're a respectful partner to them and that, you know, you're observing whatever their boundaries might be, or just saying like, okay, maybe we don't mesh because things that are boundaries for you are like, I must haves for me, whatever that might be. And that's okay. Yeah. Too. Learning to mm -hmm. be okay with that. Um, now I want to jump since we, you know, going deeper into the relationship aspect, I want to talk about toys. Okay. Because I have, there's a toy I want to try. Okay. Um, I really want to try the panty toy or the toy where you put the, like your part, like your partner has the, the, yes. Okay. <laughs> First of all, so I'm happy that you have it. See, it was alignment. Okay. In that regard. So I really want to try this toy. I have not tried it as of yet. Um, and maybe with uh, whenever I, you know, decide to venture into the world of dating again, that that will be a toy I want to try. So can you explain the toy I'm talking about, how it works? Show the people. Yeah. So this, so there are many different toys that are like vibrating panty toys. This one is actually made by Satisfier. Um, and they kind of redid this toy. So that way this small pink part comes off. So it's mag uh, a magnet. So it actually helps hold it in place with the panties you have on better. Because I think a lot of times I have multiple different types of um, vibrators that go in the panties and like they move around a lot, especially if you don't have like some tight fitting underwear, you know what I mean? Like the, this is not going to stay in a thong, you know? So like it, so I'm glad that they put the magnet on there and it just helps hold it in place even better. Um, so this is made by Satisfier. It's very soft, silicone based. 
Um, and this, so you wear it like this. So this part goes like you, and you can move it around. So like this could be like right up against your clit fully in the front, or maybe you have it right underneath. Um, or you, you know, if you want to take this part off and put this inside, you could do that as well. So it's very, very nice. Aesthetically, it's really pretty. I really like it. It's very sleek. Um, and then it comes with a remote and it also is Bluetooth capable. So Satisfier has an app for a lot of their toys actually, and it links right up. Um, so you can wear this out on a date or even in the house. Sometimes I think this, this toy is one of the ones I recommend the most for couples that are both working from home because it's a fun time if you're in one room and your partner's in the other room working. Yeah. Um, and so you can hook this up to the Bluetooth and actually on the app, they actually have multiple controls. So you can change the vibration patterns. You can change the speed. You can put your own, uh, you can put like your own together. Like you can put your own pattern together for how you want to use it. Um, what else do they have? It's speed, vibration. They have like the patterns, the pulse pattern changes too, uh, which is pretty awesome. So it's really, it's a fun time. And then also through the Satisfier app, other people post their own like um, their like their own patterns that they've made, so you can use somebody else's pattern on yourself if you want to. Come on, satisfier. Really thought about it. They really trying to make this like a real full functioning toy. So like maybe if you are single, right? Like until you have a partner, you can get this and still be able to get off by using somebody else's pattern or something. So um, this is really really fun toy and. I just love the new design and it just snaps right on there. And then um, underneath here is where you charge it as well. There's two like little beads there and you just have a little charger that's magnetic that sticks on. Now listen, I might actually do this because I've been saying I'm going to like, I have certain self-love dates or whatever that I, I plan to go on, but this might be like really cool to do or try um just in the the context of like maybe when I take myself on a self-love date you know I I try to pattern and and, and get my my giggles on it <laughs> and how kinky I'm being by myself um while someone's you know over there enjoying a salad or something <laughs> I'm over here you know not tossing my salad but uh right right close. But it's good yeah. practice for when you do have a partner, right? Because you can be like, let me show you which ones really do it for me, you know? Or let me, mm -hmm. let me, these are the ones I've used. Let me see what you can come up with, you know? I, I really do love toys like this because it makes it really interactive and fun and it just changes the energy up, right? Because toys like this really start foreplay, you know? And I think a lot, like a lot of people don't spend an, a lot of time on foreplay anymore, but something like this, wearing this while you're already out or wearing this in the house, already like it, it's something new it's different it's unpredictable because you don't really know what your partner is going to do or change the speed or things like that so I like that this provides a little bit more elongated um mm -hmm. foreplay leading up to sex mm -hmm. for people who may not want to like what are some other like starter toys so if someone is brand new into the toy game what are some good toys to start with um, I would say uh, a bullet is good is, a, is always a good starter toy because it's like this long. Um, you know, they're just they're that small around. Um, and you can use that when you're masturbating. You can just put it on your clit. You could put it inside. If you want to, um, you know, use it as a butt plug, you could um, while you're masturbating from the front. So like 
there's lots of different ways to use it. Um, if you want to use it with a partner, you could still hold it on your clit or if your partner could hold it on your clit um, while you're having sex or while you're receiving head, you could have it on your clit. Like there's lots of different ways that you can use it. And even if you're performing oral on a, on a male partner, you can hold them up to the side of your mouth and then it's like a, a vibrator. Your mouth is like a vibrator on their penis. So I remember that trip, that, that <laughs> trick from last time. Like, yeah. like that, uh, you know, like a bullet you, you can use in a lot of different ways. And it's a very small, discreet, you can keep it in your purse, you can keep it, you know, in your bed, beside your bed, and you people would never know what it really was. So I think those are always good starter toys. Um, yeah, I'm like anything, I'm like anything else I have probably like more advanced, but <laughs> I think that's always a good starter toy because you can use it solo or use it with a partner. So. Okay. And then one of my last questions for you is if people are thinking about getting a sex therapist, what are just some um, things that they should do as far as research? You know, what should like, what are reasons people even go to a sex therapist and how can they contact you? Yeah. That's so if you're looking part. for a, se <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so if you, if you, you think you need a sex therapist, then it's always good to just research one. So you can go on Psychology Today and find them. You can go on ASEX um, website to go on to. That's where they have like um, certified sex therapists on there. And you can find one in your area. Um, but, you know, sex therapists are very, like, it's, like I said, it's broad. Everybody has different specialties. So you can look at their profiles and find what their specialties are. But most of us talk about sex-related int intimacy issues. Um, and that's whether you're with a partner or not. So, you know, that, and that's okay. We're being in a relationship is not required. Um, but if you even just communication issues around intimacy, you can come in and talk about that. Um, I've seen so many different types of people come in for all different types of things over the years. So, um, but if you definitely have some things that are, you know, sex related, gender related, or sexuality related, you know, feel free to look one up. Okay, and how can they look you up before we <laughs> Yeah, they can, um, they can follow me on Instagram at Sex Therapist Jen, um, or you can uh, on link, or LinkedIn, oh, on Psychology Today, uh, I'm Jennifer Smith with one N, um, or you can find me uh, at psychyourmind.com. Mm, at psychyourmind.com. All right, <laughs> you all. Um, so I, I want to thank you for your time, but before you go, you know, we got to put on a show. Yes. Okay. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Exotica. <laughs> oh, no, we can talk about it. So, okay. Um, and this snippet is, is still going to be in here somewhere, but Exotica, right, is, um, what is that? It's like a, I don't want to call it a sex conference. But it's a, it's a kind of like a sex education mm -hmm. convention and sex education is pretty broad, uh, because there's lots of different facets of sex involved in Exotica. Um, it travels, I think it goes to like five or six different cities now. Um, it'll be coming to Miami sometime in the fall, but it goes to Chicago, now DC, which I'm excited about, New Jersey, um, Denver and yeah, and Miami. So um, there are lots of different things there. There are porn stars there. There are cam models there. Uh, <laughs> there are um, some of your favorite sex workers are there. Um, 
sex therapists, life. sex educators. They, they had a they had a show staged, and I got a um, I got pulled up there and got lap danced a lap dance. Um, ah. Yeah, the um, the men. Uh, I I want to say like you know the male strippers. I guess. Uh huh. Um, but they pulled. They was pulling women on stage. I was like, pick me. And they picked me and pulled me on up, mm-hmm, gave me a lap dance. Um, and that was interesting. There was a lady also who did a show and she kind of was playing with like um, knives and things. Oh like, yeah, nice play. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it, cause I, I was, it was, uh, you know, I think she stapled something to her. And <laughs> I was like, wow, I did not know. And then they had a whole BDSM yeah. showroom for like, Mm-hmm. all the different types of products at that time yeah um they had random polls that I kept spinning on um <laughs> throughout the conference I just kept spinning and dancing and then they also had um the the a lot of different people selling sex toys but they also yeah. definitely had porn stars who had like they they all had a display of mm-hmm. like your work I was like y'all yeah. have to go ahead and show off y'all work you know <laughs> selling their dvds um and I know I saw in your story the from the more recent one that they had these um the sex dolls but the sex dolls yeah so real yes they yes it, your hips and stuff now yeah it's interesting so exotica is the first place I ever saw sex dolls and that was a few years ago um in New Jersey and the, the dolls have definitely uh, become way more advanced. <laughs> the ones that I just saw at the DC convention, I mean, yeah, they like move their hips now. They're throwing that ass back. Like they felt more real. Um, and even their aesthetics looked more real, like the hair. And like now they have like fingernails and toenails. And I was like, wow, this is so advanced. Um, and even the inside. Yeah, like even the inside, like, you know, I'm feeling around. I want to know what it all feels like. And you know, inside the vagina feels super real and they already come pre-lubricated now. So it's, it's like so advanced uh, of what it was just even a few years ago. So it's really interesting. And even the cost of them are not as expensive as they used to be, you know, like a full-size doll. Now you get the cheapest ones, like 1500. Um, and that's like pretty good because a few years ago, those dolls were like three grand. So now they're, you know, they're, they're coming out and now they're like different nationalities and different sizes and um, so it's, it's really interesting how, how far the dolls have come, but I, I really do recommend Exotica for people that are, you know, open and interested in learning about new things. Cause like there is something for everybody there, you know, like if you want to learn about something or see it or try it, like that, pl- it's there to actually help you just kind of expand your knowledge and, and really, um, learn more. So I really, ex- I'm really excited about Exotica. I, uh, used to teach a blowjob class at Exotica. Um, and so I haven't done that in a few years, but it, I still go because I still enjoy it. And I still like to learn too. There's still plenty of things out there that I haven't tried or that I don't know more about. So I still like to go and explore. That Yeah, I'm definitely going to be at the next one. I think I'll make sure I'll post like, I'm like, guys, Exotica's here. <laughs> I might even do like a vlog because I just think it's really something fun to do whether you're going by yourself are you going with your girls yeah you know, of course some people also can go with you can go with your partner right I think it's a good experience all around on mm-hmm. like literally just going and it's it's just fun is everyone there and it's not like it's a nice it's a nice vibe everyone's just like walking around happy like 
happy, <laughs> just talking. Sometimes the conversation don't even be about, oh, how you doing? I'm good. How's your day going? You know, regular conversations happen at Exotica too. Um, <laughs> but definitely a bunch of like sex questions or sex, like, but it's it's great. I really I thoroughly enjoyed my time. I went back in 2019. So 2022, I'm back. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we go, okay. I want to make sure that we drop these bars. <laughs> Are you ready? Not ready. <laughs> Yes, you are. Oh, Definitely not my strong suit. Are you gonna um actually do a little tempo of a rap today? I don't think so. <laughs> oh come on, okay. Uh, we talking and we rapping about sex. It's me and gender therapist. You know she do it the best. We rapping, <laughs> we trapping, we always keep it rapping, and we sipping on these drinks. Oh man, I finished mine. Hey. Then you got to sip on yours as we talking about that pressure that we put on doors. I mean, we walking in the room and they love the way it looks. I don't even know what I said, <laughs> but that's the purpose. And it's fun. Yeah, LaShondra. I'm the one. And I'm, hey. feeling, and I'm feeling and I'm feeling and I'm feeling on my vibe and I like it. And my breasts, they really psychic and they feel the vibe when they walk in the room. I mean, your girl do it good. I'm on the Zoom. And then we pre record the show. Yeah, we feeling good. Jim show. Thank you. Keep it good. <laughs> That was great. That was great. Don't lie to me. <laughs> a real rapper out here. I wish. All right. <laughs> well, I thank you as always for coming on the show. Thank you so much. You're I welcome. Out like this. Drake put my name on the poster. Women who can rap make you come a little closer. Step out the whip, drop a tip to my show. Put a new guest on my lips. Champagne's by my hips. It's time to get lit. Y'all know what it is. It's time to rap, 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 rap and mimosas. Thank you all for tuning in. <laughs>